Our reading this morning comes firstly from Isaiah and then moving into the Gospel of Mark. So firstly, Isaiah chapter 58, verses 13 to 14, and that can be found on page 745 of the Church Bible. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honourable, and if you honour it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. And then turning to Mark chapter 2, verse 23, and reading to chapter 3, verse 6, which can be found on page 1004. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the cornfields, And as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some ears of corn. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Another time he went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, Which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked round at them in anger and, deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Thanks be to God for his word. Well, I don't know what your um, experience is of going to the hairdressers or the barbers, if you're, uh, if you're a bloke. Mine's uh, usually a bit like this. I'll um, sit down and pick up one of the uh, celebrity magazines and... Uh, catch up on what uh, Cheryl and Ashley have been up to or, or such like and um, then somebody says so who's next please and uh, you look around and um, you weren't quite sure whether they came in before you or after you um, but everybody sort of looks, looks embarrassed and anyway eventually it's your turn and uh, you get up to the, the hairdresser's seat and they put the gown on everything ask you what sort of uh, cut you like in my case um, it's not particularly different from time to time um, Morning, express yourself with your hands. You realise actually your hands are pinned to your side. Um, we start chatting, and um, after a while comes the, uh, the inevitable question So, are you going anywhere nice on your holiday this year? 
and you start talking about this holiday that you've booked to uh, the south of France or wherever, and uh, suddenly your mind is there, um, you're on the beach, and by the end of it you say, if only it were tomorrow, I could really do with a holiday at the moment. Now, what a holiday has got to do with the sermon series that we're involved in at the moment, you may ask. The current series is entitled Aspects of Humanity, uh, looking at what it means to be human, how we are different from the rest of creation. What are the joys of being a human being? What are some of the, the heartaches of being a human being living, living in a fallen world? Well, we started this series a couple of weeks ago um, when we looked at our place in the cosmos. And by the way, if you haven't yet picked up the sermon card, do pick that up. There's plenty of those on the way out. Um, we looked there at the fact that we are the, the crowning point of God's creation. And last week, Jeff looked at the dignity of being made in the, the image of God. How that means that so we were made to rule over creation, um, under God's rule. And maybe an ability to relate to God. Well, this morning we're looking at what happened on day seven of God's creation. And for that, we need to turn, if you could, with me to Genesis chapter two, verse one. Somebody said to me this morning, good thing about doing a series in Genesis is it's easy to find. Genesis chapter two on page four of the church Bibles. If you haven't got a Bible, it's on the screen behind me. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now that's up a number of questions, doesn't it? You know, what exactly is the rest that is being talked about here. It's not exactly that God can become tired. Um, He doesn't need to recover from all his hard work. It's not that he ran out of ideas of what to create next. He's infinitely creative. The word Sabbath here in the Hebrew actually literally means he stopped. He ceased. And that is what God did on the seventh day. He ceased from all his work. He spent six days creating, and we're not going to get into this morning whether that's six literal days or six figurative days. You know, you could have done it in six seconds if you'd really wanted to. But what interests us this morning is why not simply say, well, God made the world in six days, full stop. What's the point of this extra day? And because that day was different from all the other days. and the other days, he created the world, the seventh day... It says he blessed and he made holy. Later on in Exodus, which we'll come to in a short while, when God gives his chosen nation of Israel the Ten Commandments, he commands them also to remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. So the question we're looking at this morning is, what does it mean to keep a day holy? After all, that is where the word holiday comes from. It comes from holy day. And why are we humans in need of a a holy day? How can it be for our good? Well, if we think, first of all, the way in which the word holy is used in the Bible, it's in the context of setting something apart. God is set apart from his creation. He's the author of creation. He's perfect in everything. 
And that's why when people come into his presence, they are filled with a sense of awe, a sense of unworthiness. Do you remember Isaiah, when he saw the Lord, he said, To woe to me, I am ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Or the fisherman Peter, who realised who Jesus was, and he said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. But the good news is that God makes it possible for us to stand in his presence because his son Jesus has atoned for our sins. And when the Holy Spirit enables us to to see that and to trust in him, then we are made holy in God's sight. We become part of what is described in the Bible as God's holy nation, his holy people set apart for God. So to make a day holy is to set it apart. And to understand what that means precisely, let's turn to to Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 to 11, to the Ten Commandments, which you'll find on page 78. Here God is giving his commandments to the people he has set apart. If you look at the, uh, the fourth commandment there, in verse 8, it says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Then he goes on to say what that means. It says, six days you shall labour and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. So I think from this, the first thing we see is that the way God tells us people to keep it holy is by not doing any work, by taking a break, having a rest. And this comes out more clearly if we flick on a couple of pages to chapter 23, verse 12. Here there's further instruction with regard to the Sabbath. And it says there in verse 12, Six days do your work, but on the seventh day do not work, so that your ox and your donkey may rest, and the slave born on your household and the alien as well may be refreshed. Unlike God, people and Working animals here do need rest. We need to be refreshed, it says here, physically, emotionally, spiritually, as we'll come on to. As human beings, we need food, we need sleep, we need shelter, we need love, we need friendship. But we also need rest, physical rest and quietness. I think um, we all know how frenetic modern lives can be. Uh, The irony of all the technological advances that we have experienced that have reduced the need for effort, that um, have created more time for us. The irony is actually that we have less time for leisure than we possibly ever had. And there are many reasons why we we do work so hard. In a time of recession, we may be desperate to to hold on to our job. We don't like to say no, maybe. Um, Or maybe it's in our work that we find that sense of fulfilment and identity. For whatever the reason, we were not able, we're not made able to cope without a rest. And if we carry on working at the pace that many of us do, our health will suffer. I do feel sorry, I must admit, for the TV presenters, the, uh, the day after the election, I don't know whether you turn the TV on, um, seeing poor old David Dimbleby, um, absolutely exhausted. Um, we need rest, we need protecting from ourselves, and that is why God has given this commandment for our good. 
And as Jesus said in that passage from Mark that um, Liz read out as well, he said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The casualty of not having rest is not just our own health, it's our relationships, the time we spend with our spouses, with our families, with our friends and relatives. The question I'd like to ask those of us here this morning who are Christians is, are we taking God's instruction here seriously? Are we setting an example to the world around us by the way we use our time? Or are we rushing around just as crazily as everybody else? The Sabbath is about physical rest, but of course people will have different um, responsibilities and we'll need to find different times to, to find that rest. You know, a mother's work never stops, for example. She can't suddenly say on one day of the week, actually, I'm not going to look after the children today, they can look after themselves. For a pastor, we have to work on the Lord's Day. After all, it's the only day we do work a week, so it would be a shame not to, uh, to work on this day. But let's come on to the, the greater significance of a holy day, which is to provide spiritual refreshment, spiritual rejuvenation. It's to make us, ourselves, more holy. Our next point is that our spiritual need is actually greater than our physical need. If you've still got Exodus 20 open, let's um, turn back to uh, that commandment, Exodus chapter 20. That commandment started with, in verse 8, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. But then skip down to verse 11, and here we have the reason for that. It says, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And what we see here is a clear link between the Sabbath and God's work of creation. The description of creation in Genesis 1 was not meant to be a, a scientific explanation of exactly how the world was made. It was meant to help us understand the one who made it, our creator God. And so part of what it means to keep the Sabbath day holy is to remember God's work of creation and through that, more importantly, to remember God, to focus on him. <coughs> now, fortunately, the, the windows in this church, Alistair will tell you, were designed in the... Um, the 19th century, at a height that prevents you from uh, looking out and being distracted. Um, those, of course, in the balcony will have to exercise greater self-discipline. But as you leave this building, as you, you, you go home and look all around you at nature, at the world, do think of God. We take it for granted, don't we, when we look around ourselves. Think of God's awesomeness, his power, his creativity, Think how dependent we as human beings are on him. He's not just the creator of the universe, he's the sustainer of the universe. And as you do that, give him praise. Now, worship doesn't stop when we leave here. But let's turn also to, to Deuteronomy chapter 5, because here we have the, uh, the Ten Commandments repeated at a different stage in, in Israel's story. Deuteronomy 5 on page um, 184. <clears throat> and here again we have the same commandments, we have the, the same fourth commandment, but we have a slightly different take on it. Um, again it says, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy in verse 12 of chapter 
chapter 5. But look on to, to verse 15. And here we have a different reason. It's not just the creation reason here. Here it says, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe, observe the Sabbath day. Not only then are we meant to remember God because of his creation, but also it says here because of his redemption. Now here what's been talking about is the, the redemption of Israel from slavery in Egypt. The, Egypt, the, the Israelites were rescued from, from slavery by God. And of course at that time as slaves they, they wouldn't have been able to enjoy rest. They had to, to work hard the whole time. And so when they were saved there was an immediate sense of relief. And even when they were in the wilderness, before entering the promised land, God gave them that Sabbath. Um, he gave them double portions of food to, to, to receive on the day before, so they didn't need to go out and look for food on the Sabbath. Now, of course, our redemption as Christians, though, is not from slavery in Egypt. It's from slavery to sin. And if you want to know more about that, then do come and join us on a Sunday evening as we go through Romans uh, chapter 6 to 8 at the moment. The freedom that we enjoy as Christians, being able to follow a Lord who wants the best for us, that was bought at a price. That price was the death of Jesus Christ. The Sabbath is a special reminder. It's a reminder of God's work of creation, but also his work of redemption. And it's not that we don't think of these things during the rest of the week, of course. You know, of course, every day is a day of worship. In, in many respects, our whole lives are given to God. But God knows how easy it is for, for our lives to become distracted. And if we said, well, I'm not going to treat the Sabbath day special because well, I worship every other day, then what would happen for most people is not that you, you spend more time with God on every other day of the week, but actually on the Sabbath you spend as little as every other day. It just becomes another day. God gave us a, a special day for our good. And it's when we remember what he's done for us that our hearts are filled with joy and love for him. The early church realized that. When Jesus came, as we read in that passage from Mark, he, he challenged the Pharisees. He challenged all these man-made rules that they'd come up with and showed that they were actually a hindrance to to. to knowing God rather than a help. And Jesus explained to them the reason behind the Sabbath, that it was for the benefit of humankind. It was the benefit of our relationship with God. And so the early church rejected those, those man-made rules but kept the, the principle of the need of a time for spiritual refreshment, the time of coming together. They accepted Jesus' claim that he was the Lord of the Sabbath. And so they changed the day in which they, they gathered together for worship. They met on the first day of the week, the day on which two very significant events took place Jesus' resurrection and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And that's the day we're told when believers came together to break bread. So far, so good. But how do we make Sunday holy? How do we make it special? And avoid that trap of becoming legalistic. You know, how do we become, avoid becoming like those Pharisees and coming up with all our own list of things we should and shouldn't do? 
Um, because, of course, the trap they fell into is thinking by keeping all these rules, then they could feel pretty good about themselves. You know, um, That was their way of getting close to God, rather than being concerned actually about the state of their heart, their attitude towards God. Towards God. So how do we work through what is good to do and what is not so good to do? If the reason behind having a day set aside is to give us rest, but more importantly to, to help us grow in holiness, to help us grow in dedication to God, then we have to consider various questions as we think about how we spend the day. And so I want to just work through now briefly a few principles that may help us decide. I should stress that these are principles. We may disagree over how we apply these principles. I don't want to give the impression that, you know, I've got it all sussed here. Um, we need to help each other out with these issues. You know, let's not either be judgmental, um, let's not be defensive, but uh, let's be gracious and willing to learn. First question I want to suggest is that, uh, does it help me grow in holiness? Does it help me grow in holiness? If we've been Christians for a while, we will know that coming to church is not what makes us a Christian. It's if we've trusted in Jesus Christ, to forgive us our sins. And in theory, what that means is that, well, we can still be a Christian if we don't come to church. But remember when we were talking about the definition of holiness at the beginning of the sermon, it meant being set apart. God has set apart for himself a a holy nation, a holy people. And so if we're part of that people, then what we should most want to do is to be with those people, to help them, to love them, to support them, to to worship with them. Because we share the most important thing we can have with them, that is our God. And we will be with those people forever. And so as we worship God together in prayer, as we sing, as we humble ourselves before God, we worship with them. And we encourage each other, We, we help each other grow in our faith, we are built up in holiness so that when we leave here we are equipped to go out during the week into our different situations. And so as Christians, it's not that we feel a duty to come to church. We come because that is the most important thing in our lives. Which brings us on to the second principle. Does it show that God is the most important thing in my life? Does it show that God is the most important thing in my life? Because given what we just said, we could ask, well, why would we not want to... Um, come to church if we are a Christian. Now, I'm not talking now about the times when we are unable to come to church for whatever reason. Why would we not want to come to church? And the answer is really quite simple, because there's something we would rather do. Now, that may be um, something that um, provides more immediate fulfilment. That may mean that's something that requires less effort. It may be shopping, it may be sport, it may be just lying in bed. There is an immediate satisfaction from doing those things, isn't there? And the same applied to the people of Israel in the day of Isaiah when God gave them the promise that um, we read out earlier. If you've got your Bibles handy, let's turn back to Isaiah chapter 48, sorry, 58. It's on page 745. Isaiah 58, verse 13. Read this, see what it says here. Verse 13 says, If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight, 
and the Lord's holy day honourable. And if you honour it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words. Just stop there a minute. In other words, if you don't do all these things that you are tempted to do, but instead if you delight and find enjoyment in the Lord's day, then comes the promise of blessing. Look at verse 14. Then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. And one of the biggest areas of tension for many is the whole area of Sunday sport. And um, if you're a parent, you face the uh, the double difficulty of not um, just deciding what you should do, but um, the message you're giving to your child as you help them decide what is right to do on on the Lord's Day. And one of the factors you feel needs to be taken into consideration, ultimately your decision, is telling them something about what you feel is important. I know in many ways it's a shame that we are forced to make these choices often. Um, But as Christians throughout life, we will be confronted by these choices where we have to decide, are we going to put God first or something else first? And when we do make those decisions, though, for God, it is a tremendous witness because we are showing who is the most important person in our lives. Dan Walker is a BBC Sports uh, presenter, somebody who is confronted with this dilemma. And in this publication, Sport and uh, Sundays, he tells various stories from his own life, his own testimony, um, including when he went for one job interview and uh, he was asked um, this question the interviewer put to him. And what's this joke at the bottom of your CV about not working on a Sunday because you're a Christian? And after Dan Walker explained why actually it wasn't a joke, he, he writes... In here, he says, whatever else they thought of me, they knew Jesus Christ was important in my life. Magazine, he answers some very practical questions, um, such as, is it wrong to show the World Cup final on a Sunday in church? Surely we'd get more people in if we did that. What about going to church in the morning and playing football in the afternoon? What's wrong with that? All those practical issues that we have to deal with. If you want to see how he answers those, um, I'll hopefully have some copies of that next week. In short, if those who are not Christians, see that church is for us either just a hobby or an unenjoyable duty we feel obliged to go and do every week, if they see that we'd rather actually be doing something else that they are doing, then really they just feel sorry for us. If they see us delighting in our worship, coming together with um, the Lord's people, they want to know what it is that excites us about that. So this principle here is, does the way I spend the Lord's day show that he's the most important person in my life. Thirdly, does it acknowledge the importance God attaches to the family? It was God who was responsible for the institution of the family and uh, the Conservatives in their campaign have uh, quite rightly pointed to family breakdown as, as one of the causes of what they have called broken Britain. Now unfortunately, however stable or otherwise we feel our family situation is, family life is one of the casualties of a society has become very busy, very hectic. Um, different family members doing different things during the week, um, different work patterns. And so to come together on one day and spend time actually building those relationships is of great benefit for, for our family lives. Now, it doesn't mean that you should stick within your own family on a Sunday. You know, as we've said, the Lord's Day is about meeting together with the, the church family, And it's great, as I know many of you do, on a regular basis, invite people back from 
the church for lunch, getting to know each other better, encouraging each other, um, recognising that all of us here are in, in families. Just one final principle then, does it serve others? In the passage from Mark, Jesus asked the Pharisees, which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? If the Sabbath was given for our benefit, then it would be ludicrous to devise rules that um, meant we can't help others on the Sabbath. We're meant to love our neighbour. God calls us to do that. And so if you are involved in the the caring professions, if you have to work on Sundays sometimes, if you help out with a a charity or serve in another way, then you shouldn't feel guilty about that. Well, finally, as we come to, to the end, we can't really talk about the need of a holy day Uh, the need for rest, without mentioning the eternal rest. We were made to have a relationship with God. We were made to have a relationship that will last for eternity. It's a relationship in which we will enjoy God forever, not just in this life. As it says in Hebrews, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work just as God did from his. That is the eternal rest that the writer there is pointing towards. And this whole life is a preparation for that time. And the Lord's Day gives us a a glimpse of that life to come as as we meet with his people, as we focus on him, as we demonstrate that he's the most important thing in our lives. It's a bit like being, being engaged to someone and only being able to, to contact that person by phone during the week but then coming together at the weekend, spending quality time with them, getting to know them in preparation for marriage when you'll spend the rest of your life with them. We're looking forward not just to the rest of this life, but the rest of eternity with God. I know that to apply these principles we've been looking at um, this morning to to people's different situations can be complicated, and I'm very happy to, to talk with anybody who wants to chat about it further afterwards. But I do hope that for, for all of us that the Lord's Day will be the highlight of the week. I do hope that instead of being a source of tension, that we will know the joy that the Lord promises. Let me just finish with those words again from Isaiah. If you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honourable, and if you honour it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. Amen.